homily for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. November 15, 2020, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. This past week we received word that Monsignor Joseph Singer passed away after a brief COVID-related illness at 91 years of age. Father Sanger, as he was known here, was the pastor at St. Mary's from 1971 to 1985. When he retired in 2000, Father Dan followed him at Velva and Karlsruhe, and when Father Dan came here in 2005, I followed him there. So that's quite a coincidence. His funeral will be this coming Thursday, the 19th, in Rugby, near his hometown of Oren. Monsignor Sanger was ordained to the priesthood for the Diocese of Fargo in 1954. One of his first assignments was as priest secretary to Cardinal Aloysius Mensch, a former bishop of Fargo, during his diplomatic service as the Vatican's ambassador to post-war Germany. He was a consummate pastor with an enormous heart. This compassion, along with his extroverted personality, led him to celebrate at a lot of funerals. And it was always a delight for me to ask Monsignor to make a few remarks about the deceased at the funeral masses. One of my favorite rhetorical devices of his was to say, I wouldn't say this publicly, and then go ahead and say what he wanted to say. It was a charming sort of thing. It made you feel like you were in on a secret. The Diocese of Bismarck owes Monsignor Singer a debt of gratitude as well. He faithfully served as chaplain at Trinity Hospital in Minot for several years after moving there in retirement. I visited Monsignor Singer several times in Minot in recent years, and he was always unfailingly gracious and supportive. Several parish clusters in northwestern North Dakota had priests from India, and when they go home on vacation, it's usually for a lengthy period of time, like a month or so. Monsignor Singer was always a willing sub to make trips for these guys possible. Also, as often as the Minot Air Force Base was without a resident priest, chaplain, Monsignor spent many Sundays having Mass there. I could go on for a long time telling stories about Monsignor Singer, and so could lots of you, I suspect, who remember him serving here. Please pray for the repose of his soul and the consolation of his family and friends. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. The man in today's gospel decided to distribute his money to three servants before leaving on a journey. There were no bankers or stockbrokers at the time, and what if you tried to hide it or tuck it under the proverbial mattress and someone were to break into your house? That's no good either. That's why he entrusted his wealth to others. As for what St. Matthew called talents, what does he mean by that? Think of a talent as a unit of measure, like a bushel. Let's say you have a large basket, which you could fill with anything. Fill it with oats or packing peanuts, and it will be rather light. The contents also won't be all that valuable. Now, imagine that same basket is filled with silver coins. If someone were to give you two or five of those talents, 
a great responsibility comes along with that favor. Consider the going rate presently of silver at $25 per ounce, and we'd be talking an enormous amount of money, certainly in today's terms. The first two servants chose to invest the talents, unimpeded by the risk, and in both cases, they gained a healthy return. But the third servant took the safe route out of fear. After burying his talent, he brought it back just as he had received it. But for him, there was no reward. Instead, the boss man was furious. Some of us may wonder why he flew off the handle. After all, he did get his money back. But the boss saw from the first two servants what was possible when they acted with courage. Jesus illustrates today that the gift of faith is not like a wallet full of cash and stuffed into one's pocket. If Christians do not spread the faith so as to multiply the gift, it is squandered. It's helpful that the common modern definition of the word talent is an ability or skill which one cannot necessarily quantify. Talent is discovered when it is applied and shared. Let's face it, there are more one and two talent people in the world than five talent people. Only a few become inventors like Thomas Edison, statesmen like Abraham Lincoln, or churchmen like St. Pope John Paul II. Particular dangers beset the one talent man. He is tempted to say, nothing much will be expected of me with my limitations. What can I do? That question, what can I do, is the devil's subtle whispering in his ear. The one-talent man is also prone to resentment. He may hold a grudge against life and envy his fellow man because he is poorly gifted compared with brilliant neighbors. The picture of his complaint in this parable reveals his psychological makeup. He blames his master, saying, I knew you were a hard man and accuses him of reaping where he did not sow. Criticism of God and man is the escape of people who feel and resent mediocrity. But the real reason for his failure was his fear. I was afraid. He dared no venture. He lacked faith in life and in God. If he lived in Hitler's Germany or Fidel Castro's Cuba, Perhaps he would be silent when he should speak. By his default, not an outright crime, he emboldened wickedness in those around him. To his demeanor can be traced much of the deadly sluggishness of our world. The one talent man in today's gospel failed to see how much he was needed. He didn't realize that while a man may not have Shakespeare's gift, Shakespeare is not available to readers without the printer and bookbinder. The one-talent person can speak, vote, work, and most important of all, pray. In reality, he is many-talented, and the continuation of the kingdom depends on him. What we see here is that the talents were almost like something perishable, that would crumble into dust or evaporate if not spent or invested. Also, God is not like a policeman who eagerly hopes to catch us in wrongdoing. Quite the opposite. God looks forward to seeing what we can accomplish. 
That's why the men who doubled the money given to them were very handsomely rewarded. Simply guarding the deposit of faith isn't enough. Our Savior is counting on us to spend what we have received from him. Not to put it out there is the saddest thing of all, because even if those to whom we bring the good news slam their doors in our faces, we do not then walk away bankrupt. We need to die to our prideful selves. This past Thursday on Real Presence Radio, Father Jason Leffer and I had the privilege of interviewing Trent Horn, a nationally known Catholic speaker and apologist. One of the questions we asked him was his advice of what people should be doing now to mobilize and re-energize one another once the pandemic subsides and restrictions are relaxed. He said, first of all, that parishes need to commit to the parts of the experience of Sunday Mass that one cannot get remotely, like the beauty of the liturgy and the importance of receiving Christ in the Eucharist. Secondly, citing popular studies which state that in only a matter of months our habits become entrenched, one-on-one invitations will be necessary to bring people out of their homes and back to the community. Regardless of what we think we can do for God, each of us is to extend ourselves beyond what we think our limitations are. We must not be content with the status quo. We have to break new ground. We miss the point of today's parable if we fail to see that Christ requires of his followers the hazard of the unexplored road. Amen.